0: We want to welcome you to this episode of Live Transform. This is episode number one twenty-nine.
1: No, it isn't. It's episode number one thirty.
0: That's right. We're at <laughs> Me 130. Me and Bob. Okay,
1: Jim and I are, are are in consensus. It is episode. <laughs>
2: Bob, Bob is, is, stu- it, no, it Bob is, is stuck in the past. He wow,
1: needs a it, it is episode 130, says the Lord. Yes, that's it right, is me, right. says the Lord. It is, <laughs> it is episode 130. But you know what? I'm so Okay, excited.
0: wait, wait. You all know what I have to put up with. You <laughs> see, I have to put up with this nonsense. <laughs> oh, so, <laughs> yeah.
1: When, all right, when, everyone. This is episode when. number
0: 130. <laughs> woop, Woo! woop, Live, woop, transform. Woop, woop. Okay, good. Hey. We're rolling. We're rolling from last week yes. into this week. Yeah. And, um, uh, oh, you know what that made me think of? Wait a minute. Wait, tell wait, me. Wait, 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 wait. This, this <laughs> is a preview. This
2: is a preview. I got to say it or I'll forget. Okay. I'm going to show, and and as we get into this about how good God is, I'm going to show you. I mean, yeah. you can't do time travel. I can. Well, <laughs> in your mind, you can. <laughs> but I'm going to show you through this process. Mm-hmm. about the goodness of God, how to do the next best thing. And that is to reverse the effects of the past on you.
1: Oh, okay. This is good. And I ain't going to do it oh. today,
2: oh. But, but that's going to be coming. Oh. But, but we've got to get you first where the where you're immovable in the goodness of God. Just just think about having the power to say, okay, okay, okay so I got so this, this bad is like, thing in my past, but I'm going to reverse its effects on me. Today. It's like, right. so this is
1: a preview for the, this coming fall. Woohoo. that's right. Right, is that what you're saying? It's like we're gonna have to it, wait a while? It's gonna be
2: the Christmas blockbuster or something, I don't know. <laughs>
1: Stay tuned, there's yeah. your cliffhanger. Yeah,
0: and now people are listening to this episode and they're like, oh, let's skip this. Yeah, I'm, for, I'm, I'm heading on down the road. For not, this is an episode,
2: not to be confused with episode 129.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump into the future of episode 130. Yeah, there since we're in
1: 129, we're actually going to do some time travel.
0: Okay. It's going to feel like time travel. It I will. Okay. Uh, Jim, th- thanks. I mean, Audrey, it's really mm-hmm. good being here. And to you, our listener, thank you for making this investment yes. you know, into your very own heart and life. Last week, we began um, talking about, as well in previous but just our footing mm-hmm. you know establishing a firm foundation and then we talked about the stability is determined by my belief yeah. and jim last week we kind of went quickly over a, a progression in the development of a belief yeah. and with regards to uh you know the definitions life experiences yeah. and all leading up to really wanting To experience and know God's will for our Mm -hmm, life. mm -hmm. Okay, so what I'd like to do is just kind of backtrack just a little bit, and and just go a little more, uh, you know, slowly over that progression. For us slow people, (laughs) say it slowly. I'm trying to slow things down. um,
2: (laughs) There's in in in, um, Second Corinthians three, Paul talks about uh, a veil. Mm -hmm. over people's hearts that alters the way they see God. Mm -hmm. Now, what's interesting, these people who uh, aren't real, they're not really precise about how they actually read the Bible and interpret the Bible. They try to say that the veil is the Old Testament, well, it's not. That, mm-hmm. That's not even what the scripture says. And so, you know, you know, people will use that argument. See, if you believe in the commandments or anything, like that, then that makes you where you can't see how good God is. Uh, mm-hmm. no, you won't. Right, 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 you, right, 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 right. If you believe the commandments, not from a legalistic point of view, but from the way to show love to each other, and you realize that's exactly how God treats you. You know, God mm-hmm. never falsely condemns you. He never looks for fault in you. He's always patient. He's always kind. He always seeks to help. He's always the deliverer. Uh, you know, if you looked at if you look at the commandments the way God gave them, the way to treat each other, each other based on how He treats us, man, the commandments would be nothing but encouraging, and you'd think, man, I always know what I can expect from God. I always know He's going to be loving. He's going to be <laughs> kind. You know, uh, all those kinds of things. But anyhow, what it actually says, it doesn't say that it's. The Old Testament, that is the veil. He said it's the reading of the Old Testament, how you read it, how you interpret it. Really? Now, you stop and think, you know, there was a guy that came to Jesus one time, and he says, he, says, he, he, did, a, he did a thing that argumentative people always do. They ask a question that they already have their answer for.
1: Hmm.
2: You know, people, people try this with me all the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So they come to Jesus. Jesus, tell me, uh, what's, the, you know, what's the one thing I need to do to inherit eternal life? Well, every Jew knew what scripture to quote right there. Love mm-hmm. the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Every, I mean, that, anybody that knows anything about the history of Israel knows that is the cornerstone scripture. You know, it starts out with hero Israel, the Lord God is one God. You know, I mean, it starts there. But anyhow, so he, he asked them not, not because he was really interested in, in eternal life. And, and, and the Bible reveals what he was up to. When people ask you questions that they've already decided what the answer is, they're always working on an agenda. They're always hmm. either trying to trap you or they're trying to you know, create a basis for their argument. They're trying to prove you wrong, that sort of thing. And so in this particular case, and Jesus did what? Boy, if Christians could just get this, mm-hmm. you know, we answer the questions that nobody's asking because we don't ever listen to people. And Jesus put this guy into a position to have to to have to clarify himself. And I can remember, I mean, I can remember when when this scripture made sense to me when it. Then it woke me up in a certain area. Jesus didn't say, Well, what does the Bible say? He says, What does the Bible say and how do you read it? The exact terminology mm-hmm. that Paul used over here. Because, mm-hmm. see, the real issue that all of us face about anything that actually believe the Bible. Now, I mean, there's a lot of people that identify themselves as Christians that do not believe the Bible. They they don't believe God's who he said he is. They don't believe what Jesus did on the cross. It's just a cultural thing for them. It's not, it's not really a way of life. It's not about who we become and, and that sort of thing. So Jesus said, well well what does the scripture say and how do you interpret it? That's really what he's saying. Now and by the way that's what when Jesus tells us to take his yoke upon us, that's what he's saying. His yoke is his interpretation of the scripture, and his interpretation happens to be the only one that's right.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And the only what the only person who's ever saw and know, saw God, known God, been God, <laughs> says this is what it means.
1: Right. So,
2: so he tends to be right.
1: Yeah, I I feel that.
2: So then, so then, you know, the guy quotes. The guy gives the answer. You notice Jesus did not answer that question. Listen, let me say to you, those of you who want to minister to people or even those of you who want to be good negotiators or good counselors, stop answering the questions people ask you and force them to give you their answer. Mm-hmm. Then you locate them and you know what you're really dealing with. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't Jesus that said, oh, the answer to that question is love the Lord. Your God. It was Jesus said, well, what, what does the scripture say and how do you read it? So the guy answered part of that question. He answered the part that says, this is what the scripture says. But see, the part that he didn't want to answer is, how do I read it? How do I interpret it? Mm. And so... <clears throat> Jesus. This is where Jesus presents the parable of what we call the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. So basically, what we discover is this guy was a racist. He hated Samaritans, which most Jews did, because the Samaritans they were the first they were the first group of Israelites that. That uh, you know, cohorted with with the enemy back uh, with Assyria or who or Syria, I don't remember which one it was, and started interbreeding and intermarrying to try to save their 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 territory. And basically, they were the first ones that sold out. So Jews hated Samaritans. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> in the story of the Good Samaritan, this would this would be like a KKK member coming up and asking Jesus this question. And Jesus telling this story about all these people that passed this KKK member by whenever he was whenever he was beaten up and robbed and lay on the ground. And then he would say, and then a black person, but he probably wouldn't say a black person, you know, right. because he'd be talking to a KKK guy, comes yeah. along and takes you home and patches up your wounds, bandages you, feeds you, and takes care of you. So it's like, who, who do you think the neighbor is? Well, the part that I jumped over is the whole reason this guy asked this question was because he wanted to justify himself. Oh, that was that was his only reason right. for ever asking Jesus the question. Right. And because Jesus, uh oh. Wow. My, my dog is amen in that story. Yeah, he telling. loved that
1: one. <laughs> uh, he said he's saying he's cheering you on, Jim. Keep going. I Keep know. going.
2: He'll he'll stop in a minute. Yeah, I'm sorry, right. folks. This is just real live podcast. This is the yeah. real real live stuff. Yeah. So anyhow, uh, he didn't get the answer that he wanted. He was sort of like the rich young ruler, where Jesus asked, where he asked Jesus the same question, yeah, and Jesus, it, you know, they, they quoted the same verse. And his problem was he was trying to figure out is there some way that I can keep putting my trust in these riches, not have to trust God, and everything's going to be all right. They, mm. they both had agendas. But the point is, the way Jesus got to the root of the problem is not by asking, what does the Bible say? How do you read it? Well, that's exactly Mm. what Paul said. He said, Paul wasn't saying there was a problem with the Old Testament. He wasn't saying there was a problem with the commandments. He said, there's a problem with how you read it. And how you read it, how you interpret it creates a veil. And so when you're looking at God, you're looking through a veil, which is woven together by fabric. You know, the way I look at it, that veil, which is your perception, it is your, mm-hmm. it, it is your worldview, that veil is the product of beliefs.
0: Mm-hmm. And in
2: my mind, the beliefs are the strands of thread that are woven together to create that veil.
1: And don't you think we all have a veil?
2: Everybody's got a veil. Yeah, I got a veil. Everybody, uh, and you know, and it, it's it's not it's not all based on the scripture. I mean, we but we've all got a veil. A veil. So, but then you know, strands of thread yeah. are made from small pieces of cotton. You've seen these people in the movies, you know, where they're where they're where they're doing that thing on, on a wheel where they're where they're ma- turning cotton into thread. Yeah, they're spinning it. <coughs> yeah, spinning. I, for, I yeah. forgot the word there though. So they're spinning. They're spinning the cotton. And so the thing is. Thread is made out of individual pieces of cotton, and those individual pieces are words. Mm. So, so what happens, once we get a definition of a word, then, man, this is, uh, this is so crucial. This mm-hmm. is so crucial. We get a definition of a word, so we're saying the right word. We're saying a word that's in the Bible, but we don't have the same definition that the Bible has hmm so that means that even though we're so we're having a discussion about about the grace of God we've used that a lot a lot of people define grace as as mercy forgiveness yes. Jesus yes. They, got, they got they got all these definitions that, that are not really based on what the word definition of that word is Yep. so even though they're saying the same word that we're saying they mean something different well words form thought patterns and imaginations that emerge into beliefs. Those beliefs create the paradigm, which is what we have to look through, what we have to see through to see the world. That paradigm determines what we will see and what will get blocked out. And so Paul goes through this thing about how good God is. Mm-hmm. Where, the, where the Spirit is Lord. King James doesn't say it that way, but some Greek scholars say it should be read that way. Mm-hmm. Where the Spirit is Lord... There is where you have liberty. Hmm. There is where you have freedom. It's not a freedom that says, I'm free from being moral, free from being ethical. I mean, you can be if you want to. Obviously, we got freedom of choice, but, but this freedom is a freedom that says, I am free from the slavery. Of 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 having to be self selfish and self centered. I'm free from the slavery of having to satisfy the flesh, my five senses. The lust and, of and the I eyes. think that you
1: get really super free from fear of 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 um, the fear that molds your thoughts and your concepts and your ideas sure. and and restricts you and limits you yeah. and paralyzes you. Like it's yeah.
2: You get free from anything that restricts <laughs> you from experience and here's the key Love, thing joy and experiencing peace. Yeah. who god is
1: yes
2: see the, the problem is every theological concept that we that we embrace has to support our intellectual belief of who god is because remember the mind always seeks to prove that we're right
1: mm-hmm.
2: so whatever your <clears throat> whatever your theological position is well the problem is that theological position Started out with words,
1: okay, and how you, you
2: defined those words. Those words then became an understanding. Like I say, they became the way you discussed it. They, you know, and, and and ultimately they became your beliefs. Then they became your paradigm. Now this veil is woven over the eyes of your heart in such a way mm-hmm. that you can only see God in a way that is harmonious. Yes, with with how you define these words.
1: Yes. Now I have a very, just that 10 minutes or however, however long it took really gave me an understanding of the word veil. Yeah. Like now I have the visual, I have the desire to not have it. <laughs> like I right. want, I'm, I'm sure I, everyone has a veil because we all have beliefs, yeah. but I want it to be in harmony with the truth of who God yeah. is.
2: Well, an interesting thing is that Paul says now, the veil... Is taken away in Christ.
1: Mm, Okay. But then,
2: but then he qualifies it by saying, then where the Spirit of the Lord is, or where the Spirit is Lord, there's where you have freedom, there's where you have liberty. So interestingly, you know, legalism discounts what Jesus did for us. and, And and really it rejects faith by saying that you gotta do all of these things in order to experience what Christ died to give you. So it's, it's all about works. Right. And, and so we understand that. But what we, what we don't understand is you get over here on these liberal sides of interpreting Scripture, and they re, they still reject faith mm-hmm. because they just say it automatically happens. Right. So so if I believe on Jesus, and that could mean anything by that, if I believe on my version of Jesus,
1: mm-hmm.
2: then, uh, then uh, the veil is taken away. So I call myself a Christian, therefore the veil is taken away. No, 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 mm-hmm. no. Because what he's talking about, about how the the veil is removed in Christ is because Jesus was the exact representation of God.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: any interpretation, any uh, uh, translation, any application of anything that we call you know the commandments or the Old Testament, if we... If we interpret, translate, apply, seek to understand that without without Jesus becoming, uh, uh really our, our new veil, you know, mm-hmm. our new colored glasses, if 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 we don't use Jesus as our basis of interpretation, then the veil is not taken away.
1: Hmm.
0: In other words, everything
1: I, I, has to trans go through that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because we're living in in a world now where my translation is gonna be good. Yep. See, my translation is gonna be love. Yep. My translation is gonna be peace. But I, I'm going to interpret that through my standard of what good, peace, love really right. looks like, apart from Jesus. Yep, exactly. And a lot of people, I mean, that's, that's humanism where they're just like, no, I, I know what it is. But they will not allow themselves to really experience the Lordship of Jesus in their life. Yeah. You know, where the Spirit is Lord. The, you see?
1: That's where, I love mm-hmm. that line. Where the spirit of Lord, it is where, where the spirit is Lord, it is there that you have freedom. Yeah.
2: So, you know, and this sounds mean. I'm not I'm not trying to be no. mean. I'm just trying to tell people how to end their struggles. So remember, you know, we talked about ten words of change everything you know about God.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So if if I have a definition of the wrath of God that looks different than anything I've seen in Jesus life and ministry and anything that he accomplished on the cross then I'm wrong. Then that there's definition some, is then wrong. there's
1: a disconnect somewhere. There's a disharmony somewhere. So if if the wrath of God is there and I don't see it in Jesus then maybe just maybe the word wrath is a word that I have not understood correctly, or there was a wrong translation in the first place of the word. Exactly. Death.
2: Or here, here, here's a here's one of the words I address in my book is the word curse. Yeah. Man, people just freak out. I mean, there's so many goofy things about the curse that float around out there. You're just thinking, man, no wonder you're never happy. No wonder you think you got to fight the devil. You know, you know, this generational curses. There's no such thing. That's nowhere in the Bible. There's no such thing as generational curses. As a matter of fact, the Bible is real clear that the children cannot pay the price for the sins of the parents. Right. That, that is very clear. Yeah. You know, uh, I, and I haven't had chance to answer this, so I, I don't know if the person that wrote this will be listening. to This I'm not being critical of. It. So I had somebody, you know, just just recently, just challenged me on my whole teaching about the Book of Job, and um, and and they had a good argument, and I'm I like I don't mind somebody come at me with a good argument. Now they they did come at me with a kind of a know it all I'm right, you're wrong kind of attitude. That's all right. Most 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 Christians are are as bad about that as everybody else is. You know, talking to Christians about about what the Bible says is like talking to people about their political beliefs. Uh, usually has no basis in reality or rationalism. It just has its basis in this is what I think. This is what I want to think. I'm not going to think anything else. I ain't never studied this out. I don't care what the Bible really says. This is what I believe. That's how most people come. But you know, you know, he was saying that I've totally missed the point, that that the truth is Job was a righteous man. I owed him an apology, and and that there was nowhere in there, you know, that God really rebuked Job. Well, wait a minute. God asked Job, Are you saying you're more righteous than I am? God asked Job, Are you, are you going to condemn me so that you can continue to appear as being righteous? I wasn't saying Job was a sinner. I'm just saying Job had a fear problem because he was blaming God, he and his friends, as the source of this. And he was kind of saying, Look, I'm innocent. I don't know why God's doing this to me, but you know what? But I'm noble. I'm just gonna keep trusting God. Well, praise God, he was noble, and praise God, he did have patience. Praise God, he did not give up. But uh, at the end of the day, God rebuked him and his friends for all that. And so the guy, so the guy is wrong on those points because God tells him what He's rebuking him about. But I thought a really, I think it's uh, maybe Job forty-two eleven. He says, see, God did speak after. You said God, you know, you said that we couldn't get theology. And he said, and 42, I believe it was 42.11. He says, he said, so, and it really doesn't say God said this, but it says, it says, so Job's friends, I think they took their jewelry and all this kind of stuff, melted down the gold. and, and, And it said, and they gave it to Job, you know, to deliver him from the curse that the Lord God had brought on him. Now, in the Hebrew, you will see a phrase that, God brought something on someone. Or you will often see a phrase where it says, God says, I will cause this to happen to you if you do this and so. Now, what's interesting about that phrase is in the Hebrew, that's used in the hifel form. And when something is in the hifel form, the subject of the sentence is not acting directly to make it happen. So even though in English it's translated as, you do this, I'm going to make this happen to you, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. and we're going to call that a curse. Well, if if it was translated more properly, it might be translated something like this, based on the way I have created the world and the laws that I have created, if you do this, it will destroy you. Because he is not saying, I am going to act to make it destroy you. Mm -hmm. See, because if God is the creator of all things and all the laws in the physical universe, you know, he created them, then since he's the one that made those laws in a certain sense, he is the cause of how they come out. The difference is he he tells you how it's going to come out. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, stop and think about it. We live in a physical universe. You can't have a quarter that only has one side to it. Mm. I mean, I kind mean, of think about that a minute. I mean, that, that seems, I but think about, it. okay, I got a quarter, but when I look on the other side, I go into infinity. You, know I, you yes. know, I leave the universe because, because I've only got one side. In the physical realm and based on the laws of physics, everything has to be at least two dimensional. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everything. Yes.
2: Yes. That's why with God's words, that can be light, dark. That can be life. That can be death. It's all dependent on your heart.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So all the curse really is, is when you find yourself in a place where God is not, where his influence is no longer there. You know, you know the, people ask, well, what about that scripture where God says, I, I created good and evil? He did.
1: So in a practical sense, Jim, just help me understand that. So f- just very practically, where would God not be?
2: Uh, well, I think of it more that his influence couldn't be there. But okay. In, in a certain sense, you are saying that God God is nothing. I get that. But let's think about it this way. Let's say, because the Bible talks a lot about when you come to a crossroads, when you come to the path, yeah. how to choose which way to go. Yes,
1: yes, yes.
2: So let's say you're standing and you're looking at a highway,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: that highway goes to the right, and yeah. that highway goes to the left. Right. And you're saying, man, I don't know which way to go. Right. God says, if you will turn to the right you, this high, and follow this highway, you will be getting closer and closer to me and my resources. Okay. Now, for there to be a right on a highway, there has to be a left. Right. So then, but God says, but now you got a free will. You can go where you want to. If you turn left, you will move farther and farther away from me, away from my presence, away from my resources. And at the end of this, at the end of this highway, you are going to get whatever it is you think is down there. But the problem is you're going to also get the consequences. And the consequences is I have no influence
1: I have if no you make if if you make right. this choice, yeah,
2: because because I'm not going to violate your will, I can't violate your will,
1: right, right. You know, now, the, he the, will he- be with that person. It's not that if you're going down the wrong path, he is right there in a moment. The moment you want to change and and make a course correction, or well,
2: yeah, and, and we have no term. I don't think there's even words that can explain all that. If you really don't know, yeah. I think that at any point we can turn around. Yes. But I don't think that necessarily means God's following us down that path, because ah. He doesn't. He He says, "I the only paths I walk are the w- paths of righteousness."
1: That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yes. But but I. But He I think also some, never leaves me.
2: Well, but that's a hard thing.
1: Okay. You can leave Him. He yeah, that's leave true. You. Oh, 100 percent.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I th- I think we get into terminology there that's impossible to fully express in English. In, in, in this. <laughs> in this finite world, yes. in this mm-hmm. physical universe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's some concepts that we just have to get that, you know, they don't contradict anything that the Word of God says, but just, it's just easier to understand them if we don't try to over-define some things.
1: And I, and I just want to just yep. validate... Exactly what you said in my own experience, in my own life story, I can see where I made a left turn, so to speak, and I went down a road that got me further and further from God's resources. And you're right, I I I can make a course correction, but I had to walk back, and it was a journey. It wasn't that Jesus wasn't with me when I asked him, but it isn't. It was a journey back. It wasn't a, you know what I'm saying?
2: And you know the journey back. Here's the interesting thing about the journey back. The journey back is not the journey back to find God.
1: No, and it wasn't a journey back into his presence.
2: No, the journey back is the journey of walking out of the repercussions of how I damaged my own heart and my yes. own life and the people yes. around me.
1: Yes. That's,
2: what, that's what I'm trying to get out of is, is, yes. is, is these, these consequences. So yes. the curse, let me, let me give you an example. So God goes, you know, meets up with Moses. So he's got great news for you, Moses. I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to tell my children I'm ready for them to leave, leave Egypt, come out in the wilderness, and sacrifice to me. Great news. So Mo- Moses goes and tells Pharaoh. Now what's interesting, sometimes you'll read the account of Pharaoh's reaction, and it'll say, God hardened his heart. When it says that, that's in that Hephael form. Mm-hmm. So God does not directly harden his heart. And, and sometimes when you read it, it'll say, that Pharaoh hardened his heart. Now, those are not contradictions because they, they actually get down to the same thing. So, so stop something think about it. A promise of God comes that's going to set an entire nation free. Now, what made that good news to them was the way they responded. That's why it was good news. If they had hardened their heart, it would not have been good news. They would have put themselves in opposition to God. They would have found themselves fighting against God what God was trying to do in their life now. So, but they, they said, Oh,
0: yay, let's go. So now Pharaoh. Yeah. So what, so is this what Paul is speaking about when he says, why are you kicking or fighting against the goads? Sure. You see, which is his word. This is the truth. But when you're opposing it, it it, it brings pain. Yeah. But when you embrace it, you find life. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Okay. So, okay, Pharaoh gets the exact same word that the children of Israel got. Now keep in mind, this could have been the turning point for the nation of Egypt. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, they could have turned and complied with God. Yeah. And Pharaoh knew who God was. He didn't, you know, it wasn't like he was ignorant. He had heard it, he'd heard of this God.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And and but he fought against him. So, because he hardened his heart, but remember him hardening his heart was his reaction to the the word and the promise of God. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as we've said, as we've said many times, the same sun that hardens clay melts butter. The difference is not the heat of the sun. The difference is the composure or the uh, the composite of the heart. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I can remember one time I was, I was facing a particular challenge and I read this scripture and this, you know, I understood some of the paradoxical things about truth and about the heart, but I was, you know, this was when I was still pretty early in this. I was, I was at this time, I was probably only about kind of six, five or six, about six years, seven years into developing these kinds of thoughts. Mm-hmm. And, and so I was reading the scripture and it says, to the pure, he will show himself pure. To the wicked or whatever it says, he will show himself as whatever, you know, wicked or crooked Mm -hmm. or whatever. And I remember reading that and I thought, all right, I know this can't be because God doesn't change.
1: Right. And he's not crooked and he's not wicked.
2: Right. And so, you know, I didn't know enough about the language like I do now, but I knew enough about who Jesus was to say, okay, there's got to be something in this translation that I don't get. Right. And see, if most people would just do this, if most people would just look at Jesus and say, okay, wait a minute, this contradicts what Jesus taught, this contradicts Mm -hmm. what Jesus modeled, Mm -hmm. this contradicts how he ministered, this contradicts what he accomplished in the resurrection. So, obviously, there's something wrong with this translation.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Well, you know, what you come to understand is, God isn't the one that changes. People's experiences with God change. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like a police officer... An honest police officer is life to people who obey the law,
0: mm. but he's
2: death to people that don't. Mm. It's, all how, it's all how you're choosing to that's respond a, to that's something. That's
1: such a good viewpoint of that. Yes. Yeah. He is life, the police officer's life, protection, and safety. To some. Yes.
2: But to some, he's the man out to get you, going to kill you, going to persecute you, going to keep you from having fun, stealing other people's money. Yeah. So so we have a veil over our heart that alters the way we see God. You know, we've talked about that scripture several times in Proverbs seventeen twenty, where it says, he that has a froward or crooked heart finds no good. Well, that, that word crooked, the root word is spelled aion which was has to do with perception and our spiritual inside how we see and interpret spiritual things it also has to do with consciousness and so uh what we're aware of our sense of self is all based on our hearts all based on whether or not our heart is crooked and, and it, then it also has to do with the, con, with the, with the fact that if, if there's covetousness or anything there, then you go to the dark side. You know, it, that and could be the ability to see God as he is, but it all is determined by what's, what's driving you. And then the, the second letter in that root word is the word uh, a quaff, And this, this can be on the life side, this can be completeness, sanctification. Uh, but on the dark side, for the person who doesn't want to accept personal responsibility, then this this becomes something negative and their, and their perception changes and the way they start. See, the the person who doesn't want personal responsibility, how do they see the police officer? Bad. A, th-
1: a, th- a threat, mm-hmm. I mean. A threat, avo- yeah. You're going to avoid that person. You're going to,
2: yeah. yeah. And then the last letter in this word crooked is the word shin, which is, you know, Shin is a picture of fire and it always has to do with passion. So, this means you got a passion driving you from mm-hmm. your heart. Well, now, is that passion based on greed, covetousness? Is it based on something negative or is it based on something positive? You want to be godlike, want to walk in love. Well, and, and so this letter shows that you will become consumed with like lust, mm-hmm. anger destruction, jealousy, uh, a retaliation, vengeance, if you're driven by something selfish and self-centered and it's going to change your perception of God. Now, remember, this says a person has got this kind of heart, a crooked heart. And a crooked heart is a heart that is twisted, Twisted. maybe to a great degree or a lot, Mm -hmm. but basically it is no longer parallel or in harmony with God. Mm -hmm. I always use the example of a train. You know, for a train to run down the track, and the train is your life, and the track is this is God's word over here, and this is the beliefs of your heart over here, as Mm -hmm. long as the beliefs of your heart stay parallel with who God is, you know, not just the fact that it's His word, but it's a representation of who He is. Mm -hmm. As long as that's parallel, harmonious, man, your life is full steam ahead. But it doesn't take much of a deviation in your heart to where that, that train is going to run off the rails and you're going to have a collision. And, you know, and you're going to blame the railroad tracks. <laughs> you're going to blame the, 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 the people that own the train company. But, but the real truth is, the problem is, remember, you can't find good. That's Good is pleasing, desirable, enjoyable, pleasant. But good also is only found in that which is in harmony with who God is,
0: mm-hmm.
2: so if I don't keep my heart in harmony with who God is, then I, my life's going to go off the tracks, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to be. See, remember, goodness. Let's just, you wanna look at the word goodness. We got is all right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got about ten minutes.
1: Yeah. Okay, and and it'll so, be reviewed because a few podcasts ago we did yeah, a whole podcast about good. harmony and goodness, which was so good.
2: So, so the word goodness. The Hebrew word for goodness, the first letters and the root word is tet, which means to, of course, anything that's good, anything that brings us in harmony with God, yeah. and also anything that allows God's goodness to funnel through us to the earth. Hmm. And, and, and it also has to do with this this tet also has to do with the willingness to repent and, and cultivate ourselves. Now the hmm. dark side of that is. Many people who find good, they, they do it from the dark side. They just find easy answers and corrupt, false, positive thinking.
1: Whoa.
2: So so, so I, want, I want to see the world as a good place, but I don't want to believe that to be a good place has got to be in harmony with God. So I'm just going to come up with my own positive thinking, my own right. definitions. I
1: feel like I have too many hoops to jump through if I do it that yeah. way. I, yeah. I'm not willing. I'm sure there's a shortcut somewhere. Right. You know, all those things. Yeah, got it.
2: Well, you know, the Hebrew letter for man is the letter Vav.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, the Vav is actually a picture of a tent peg. And so the Vav shows the picture that uh, presents this concept that man is the one that drives the tent peg, if you will, for God's presence to be here on earth.
0: Mm-hmm. We, we
2: anchor God's presence here on earth by who we are by how we see and express God. And, and, it, and it represents creating this connection between heaven and earth. Hmm. So that's so, so good because you oh, think of the is. Old
1: Testament and all the tent, the tabernacle and, you know, all the ways that this just opens up revelation yeah. for God's presence. And yeah.
2: But if, if my dependence is on something other than God, if it's codependent, if it's unhealthy, if it's driven by any negative motives, then, then I, I cannot become that connection between heaven and earth. I can use all the same words and all that kind of stuff, but, mm-hmm. it, but, it, but I'm not creating harmony. I'm actually creating disharmony. Now, the last r- letter in the root word is bet, which represents a heart or a house that's filled with the presence of God. Or it could represent on the dark side a person whose heart feels spiritually superior, you know, like an elitism, you know, Mm. you know, we have elitism flooding America right now, spiritual pride and arrogance. And, and so, so the thing is, is, is we have this invitation to take on Jesus, yoke, get in harmony with him, which I am, this is not just about coming into harmony theologically and saying the same words. It's about coming into harmony with who he is and defining all those words based on who he is. Does that make sense? It does, because
1: as you do this, I don't know if you wanna say something, Bob, but I'll just say what happens with me is you said that I put all those three letters together because that's how we form a word. And we're talking about words, we're talking about definitions. And this word goodness says that on the the harmonious, beautiful, positive side of, of goodness, What that means, it is complete harmony of God to the point where we are funneling his goodness through our very life and that our life is becoming a tent, like a tent peg, where we can actually have a place for his presence to be on earth. We are his heart. We are his home. He is at home in my heart because I am in harmony with him. And on the dark side of the word goodness is this that Because of my spiritual pride, I will do things in my own effort and I'm not depending on him. I'm trying to do things on my own accord and I'm trying to, and that results in these corrupt, easy answers, shortcuts that are not applying his wisdom.
2: Yeah. Okay. You know, we read Psalms 23 and we, you know, and it's like, you know, we read like goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And we kind of make that just a sweet thing of, 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 see, I'm a Christian, so everything's supposed to be good. That's not all what that's talking about. That word goodness, again, gets into not only how good God is, but the fact that this goodness is in harmony with his character and nature. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And so the picture here is that God's character and nature, God's goodness and God's mercy is always there and always present. Why? To draw us back into the house, i.e., the heart of God.
1: Okay.
2: To draw us back into harmony with God. Okay. Because remember, it's the goodness of God that brings you to repentance.
1: hmm
2: It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not being afraid of God. It's not the no. judgment. It's not the wrath. It's not being sorry for your sins. It's about perceiving how good God is. So.
1: To be back in. Got to close.
2: Got to close with this. Okay. Uh, and, then, and then where we. So we said, we're gonna talk this week about, answer, we're gonna answer the question, does God take his own name in vain? Right. I mean, how would you feel if a pastor got up from the pul- pulpit and started saying, you know, God blank, God blank and, and was cursing using God's name? I'll I tell you, you just get up and run out, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what, that's what most people would do. Well, number one, while I think that should never be done, that's not what it means to take God's name in vain. It means to identify vainly with his name.
1: Hmm.
2: So, if if God says, I am Jehovah Shalom, I am the Lord God of peace, but I am going to torment you to get you to do the right thing, then guess what he's done? He's taken his name in vain.
1: Okay. Anything opposing to who he is and what his name is. If
2: God says, I am Jehovah Rophi, the Lord God that heals you, but I'm going to make you sick, just in this instance, I need for you to be sick so you'll learn something, then he has taken his name in vain.
1: So I am the God of peace, but I'm sending you a storm.
2: Yeah. So, so you can go through all the names yeah. of God. You can go through all the pro- all that Jesus received through his death, burial, and resurrection. If God opposes any promise that he's made to anyone in your life, in other words, any that's what it says, Second Corinthians 1, 20, every promise God's ever made is yes, because that's the inheritance that Jesus obtained. You're in him. So if God opposes any of those in your life, then he is now taking the name of the Lord Jesus in vain and rejecting the resurrection. That
1: is really, really powerful. Mm
2: -hmm. Now, we may not be at a place where we can receive it, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: but that doesn't mean God's taken away. So all that comes down to this. God is good. Mm -hmm. God is only good. For him to be anything other than good, he has to take his name in vain. He has to take Jesus' name in vain, and he has to reject the cross of Christ, hmm.
1: mm-hmm. and that is not happening.
0: <laughs> nope. No. <laughs> okay, and and I, I know I'm gonna open something up here. That's all right. But I believe that it's it's really really important because I, I I believe that one of the best illustrations, Jim, to to what you were just what you've been bringing out here is the taking of communion. Okay, and so if there's anything in me that isn't in agreement or in harmony with the finished work of Jesus,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you see, when, when I take communion, I'm reminding myself yep. it's a finished work, yep. and so I was, I was just trying to flip through my Bible here to, to actually read this here, but... Um, in, yeah if, if you take it in an unworthy manner mm-hmm. I think is the phrase that yep. that mm-hmm. people would use but mm-hmm. that is taking his name in vain.
2: Yeah if you take it in a way and Paul says it the unworthy yep. manner is the failure to discern yes. what is ours, through the blood and the body of jesus right. and he said he said that's why you're sick that's why you're mm-hmm. dying is because that's you don't ever look broke. at the yeah you don't <laughs> ever you don't ever look at the cross and say based on the finished work of jesus yep. this is this is what's mine you know this is how this is who i am uh huh yep man i'm telling you you know um uh, you know i think this year at world changer weekend uh oh uh, world, wait a minute what what's the date today
1: <laughs> it's like uh the 10th 17th something like that it's yeah. in July. <laughs> I, I'm going to
2: do. I am. I'm going to do <laughs> communion. I just. a couple Today days has two dates.
1: Okay, today is July 17th. Yeah,
2: when we're yeah, releasing so, this. Yeah. So I'm going to do communion.
1: Okay. Okay. Like, and we,
2: you know we have we have this on our website. For this weekend,
1: July 18th. 19th. But I yes. want
2: people to experience. Mm-hmm. How to take communion? Get out of that fear-based thing about if anything's wrong, God's going to kill me. No. No, uh, the world is killing you. Your beliefs are killing you. You use this as a chance to go remember, like you said, Bob. Yes, and so you know, all all religious ceremonies always have two components: looking to what has been done, and creating my perception or my view or my sight for, for where I'm going based on that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so people need to look at the, at this and go, you know what? I I may be racked with pain, I'm, but I'm discerning. That based on what Jesus suffered in his body, this has yes. no right here. So you know what? Mm-hmm. Pain, you got to leave me. Sickness, you got yes. to go.
0: Yep, yep, because I'm going to run parallel. I'm going to yep. run in harmony to his truth and what he says about me, to, you know, is mine because of Jesus. So I tell you, so there's really, a good, really
2: stuff. There's really good songwriters listening. Really they, they need to write a song about that train on the track.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got the visual when you shared that. I was like, yes. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing good about a train that's not on a train All track. All right,
0: we'll we'll put we'll put <laughs> we'll put you and Jimmy Bratcher on that yes.
1: one.
0: Yes, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call him and see if we can have
2: something by the day after tomorrow for World Changer Weekend. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have. I believe in you. I believe oh, in you. Good. Well, well this is exciting and we as you go to livetransform.com mm-hmm. you can get world, you can get more information uh links to Jim's websites and to the world changers as well as to you know all kinds of incredible products yeah. on that website. Yeah.
0: And if you're hearing today's podcast and you're on the way to World Changers weekend, you're going You're going
1: to have the best weekend ever. Best
0: best time of your life. Yeah. If if you're not able to make it, uh, Jim there is the new book and those yep. these are the 10 words. Yeah. Okay, five negative and five positive. Yep. So yep. that Dovetails exactly plus, into what in we in talking podcast, about. we're talking about. And in this podcast,
1: we're going to keep going for several weeks to get yep. through every one of these yeah. words.
0: Yep. And so, um, you know, <laughs> stay with us. You know, we're not going to leave you hanging here. No,
1: and apparently by the end of the year, you're going to find out about this time travel thing. <laughs> 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 you promised, Jim. Do you remember?
2: That's right. That's right.
1: Yes, you do. Okay, good. Well, listen, <laughs> we just want to thank you for joining us on today's podcast. We think the world of you yes. and may joy and peace be your anchor knowing that your beliefs are in who he really is good
0: thank you everyone have a wonderful day and enjoy your week bye-bye